Welcome to the Thinklings Podcast, a conversation where good thoughts help renew the mind with the Word of God. I'm Charlie Carter, and I'm here with Tim Little and Andy Stearns. Let's jump into the conversation. Welcome to the Thinklings Podcast, a very special Thinklings Podcast for multiple reasons. First, it's not a duet. It's not. I'm so it's excited not. to be here. Oh, Andy's here with us. Warms my heart. Warms my heart every time yes. I can be here. It's good to see you guys. It's good to see you too, Andy. And uh, obviously, Charlie, Andy, and Tim is here. Shalom. <laughs> he, start, he he nodded his head. We're all, we're on a Zoom call, so he nodded his head, and I was in my mind. I was like, "They can't hear you nod. You know that, right?" And so then he's he's shalom. That's good. Uh, uh, that yes. would have been a perfect like freeze frame, Charlie. Like him sitting there looking at his book and looking up, and he's like, "Shalom." <laughs> so shalom, but shalom, listeners, shalom. <clears throat> yes, and so the second exciting thing about this episode is that it is our one hundred and fiftieth episode of the Thinklings podcast. I was. I was I was I was pausing to see what what type of reaction would come out from that, and uh, we don't take multiple takes here. But I think if we tried that again, we could probably do do an improvement. But yeah, so Andy, what I'm was just, that? What you, I'm what just glad you Andy's back. Yeah, Charlie, that was on purpose. Actually, what was that from, Charlie? Rudy two, Rudy two, 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 Rudy, Rudy two. Oh, what's that from, Charlie? Come it's on, from what the is silver, it from? Silver trumpet. That's right. Which I'm going to talk about here in a minute. Who oh, thinklings? Wow. Thinklings listener Taylor Muggy texted me. It's a beautiful text message uh, a while back here. He said, "Hey, can I borrow the silver trumpet from you?" And I'm, oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely, you, you go. can. Taylor, good, like, qu- good idea. Yeah, I'm only halfway so, through, so but I'll talk about that in a minute. Sure. But, but so, I thought that would be a very good, appropriate sound effect, Charlie, because you told me there's sound effects. You told yeah. me, like when you when you read that book, you're gonna have to strategize these sound effects. Yep. So, have you read it to your kids? We're halfway. We're halfway yeah. through. And it's weird, man. It it starts off really weird. And then it gets really <laughs> interesting. Mm-hmm. And then I don't think I want to say anything else. But I'll, yeah. off air, I'll tell you more things. When it's, yeah. it's, it's some unexpected things. Well, we'll when, you, when you get a children's book written in the youth of an anthroposophist, you, uh, <laughs> you likely have some unique details that get thrown in. And so anyway, uh, I'll look forward to hearing more about that. And before we get to Thinkling's business, we're going to do some 150th themed things. And so I have some questions for Tim and Andy. I I know the answers to these questions because I uh, looked them up. But so it's, it's kind of like a 150th trivia of sorts. Ooh, just, oh, just, boy. Just, Here we go. Just, Ooh, just a this... just a few questions. So, listener, just get, just so you know, Andy just or Charlie just throws this stuff at us. Like yes. he doesn't tell it's us thrown. this is coming. And here we go. Like yeah, have you ever so... walked into a room and you're you're just you're talking to your friend or whatever, and then someone's like, "Hey, heads up!" And you look, and someone threw you like a donut, and it hits you in the face, or like <laughs> like a ba- a bag of pens because you're in class, and just hits you right in the face. Like that's me and Tim right now. There's like a donut or a bag of pens. so whatever. A book, flying our way, you know, Ben Hartwig. It's like a half filled Nalgene bottle hitting my nose when we're anyway. So I'm not okay. I'm ooh, that's so, a story for another time. As the listeners can tell, Tim and Andy are quite excited about these <laughs> trivia questions. So, question number one 
what day was our first episode? What day? Oh. So I would I would need a month, number, and year. So really quick, that it dropped? Yes. Oh, I'm not, not when we recorded it, but when it was published on podcasting uh, platforms. August 2020. Yeah, I was going to say it would be August of 2020. And I, th- I want to say it's August 14th. Okay, so you're That's going August guess. 14th, 2020. Yep. Tim, give me a day. Yeah, um, yeah, I'll say August 12th. He's, so it goes just oh. under. So I, I, I mean, I could, the 19th, now I, think I could have made a mistake here, but according to Apple Podcasts as of this morning, our Thinklings pilot episode was published on July 7th of 2020. No. And so that's that's when you I, that's when you uploaded it. That's not yeah. when we actually sent that's it not, live. Because it was during it was during the if if you ooh, go in Charlie. Apple Podcasts and you scroll down, it told me July 7th. What? That can't be. Okay, we're right. gonna go with you, Charlie, but I think I I have some suspicions about that one. Man, well, really. Hey, you know, I just you know, I'm a simple man. I just scroll all the way to the bottom. And so anyway. But we'll hey, don't, July don't. 7th. August 11th is what we have down in our schedule. I just looked it up. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. Okay, listener, we'll we'll look that up later. But Charlie, you have more questions. <laughs> yes. So hopefully, Andy, as you scroll down, you didn't look too closely at some of the other things that were down Oops. there. I am looking so, away. I'm looking <clears throat> yes. away. So question nothing. number two, and obviously I can't participate in this because I'm crafting the questions, but <clears throat> so in our second episode is where we debuted what would eventually be come to be known as books and business, which for the listener to remember, this was completely impromptu. We did not plan books and business. Tim just said it one day and we thought it was funny. And so we, we being Andy and I made him re-say it in every episode to many eye rolls. <laughs> And so at least, you know, at least 150 eye rolls to be certain. (laughs) Uh, And so in our first quote unquote books and business, because I'm not sure it was called that at the time, what was your first book? So Andy, what was the first book you mentioned? And Tim and and on honor system, don't go and like look up while while we're talking about it. Do you remember your first book? I think I I might have a better chance at Andy's than mine. Man, well, don't say mine. Man, what was it? Okay, I'm going to go with Surprised by Joy by C.S. Lewis. I don't even know Ooh. if I feel like since it's a Thinklings podcast, we were doing a lot of Lewis. That like first mm-hmm. season, did tons of Lewis. So, Andy, you're, you're not far off with the Lewis idea, but I yeah. was the one who mentioned a Lewis title in the first books in business. I oh, mentioned man. The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Okay. Tim, do you have any, I don't any, remember. any guess for you? Oh, I'm gonna guess. Too. I'm gonna guess Habits of the Mind by James Sire, but I don't remember. No, you no, no, are, no, no. You are both incorrect. Can I make a guess at Tim's? You can make a guess at Tim's. An obscure Hebrew Old Testament book. You are correct. Because I think he like right out the gate was like, I'm reading such and such and such, but it's like our listeners are gonna I think I remember saying they're thinking, none of our listeners except for like one is gonna listen, is gonna read that book, Tim. <laughs> So if we're if we're going by accessibility to the listener, Andy and I were way more accessible than than Tim. So what was Andy, mine? your first book was Wordsmithy by oh, Doug Wilson. I'm really okay. glad we I let off with that. That's such a good book. And 
Tim. <laughs> it was like the, the tree of Eden or the Garden of Eden tree or something. I thought. Oh, you're you're spot. It's the tree of life by Roland uh, Murphy. By Murphy. Roland Murphy. <laughs> which uh, it was, Andy with the point, the uh, obscure Old Testament book. But uh, <laughs> Ooh, that was exciting. And I do. What was, your was terrible. Mine was uh, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe by C.S. Oh, that's Lewis. right. Sorry, you just said that. I'm sorry. Yep. Tim, I think you said it was terrible and you were really mm-hmm. harsh. And then we had to come back in episode three and just say, like, well, <laughs> academ- academicians out there will like it. Yeah. <laughs> we, we did. We did do some housekeeping on the Tree of Life. We came back and because you, I think it was the very next episode where you commented on it again. Because uh, I, and the only reason I know that is because I scrolled down and looked at the books in business and I noticed it was Tree of Life for two and three episodes, two and three. And I was like, man, I don't remember him doing two episodes on this but i think you you corrected the uh the harsh uh comments that we made so anyway okay uh so then this is this is our last question last question which i do think you'll both get this one right but we'll see so who was the first thinklings guest see the the hard thing is that we recorded those out of the right. order that we posted them Yes. So, So, and this is by Apple's posting. Who is our first to our listener? Who was our first Thinklings guest? Is it Jeff Newman, Doctor Jeff? I think it's Doug Brown. I think it's Doug. I think we recorded Jeff first, but I think we dropped Doug's first. But maybe I'm wrong. Okay. So, if if this was actually a competition, I would probably give Andy the point. Because, but Andy, you you you're you're kind of correct, but you're backwards. So. By the posting of the episodes in Apple, Dr. Newman was, so it's kind of a trick question. Dr. Newman was the first posted guest. Okay. But All right. We did record the Doug Brown before we recorded with Dr. Newman and we flipped him. Okay. And so, so the question, Tim gets the question right, but I had some trivia part of it. Yeah. Of you, close. you had the nuance to it. And so, yeah. Close, just, but no hand grenade. Close. So uh, there's just a couple of questions there. It is kind of wild if you scroll back through there and look at the things that we've talked about. And I definitely think I was more excited about crafting the podcast episode titles. Oh, yeah. Charlie, your uh, titles were so Back good. in the day. And oh, uh, yeah. they, they've gotten less and less crafty over the over the years. Uh, every now and then there's a good a good pun thrown in there. But back back then there was it was pretty much it had to be a good pun to be an episode title. And is so there, anyway, is there such a thing as a good pun? Yeah. Oh, Tim, the dagger pierces my heart. Oh, my soul, Tim. Come on. You can do it if you want. Anyway, uh, so. That made me a, eye roll, Tim. <laughs> so I have two more kind of reflective questions before we get into our business here. So. Uh, and I'll, I'll ask both questions and you can answer them in whatever order you'd like. So question number one is what verse would you pick that reminds you of what we're doing on the podcast? So like if you had to pick a thinklings verse, what would you pick? And then number two, what have you learned through 150 podcast episodes? So that could be about yourself, about podcasting, about reading and the life of the mind. But so what verse would you pick? And what have you learned? Anyone want to uh, jump in and st- kick us off there? 
Yeah, I can start with the verse. <clears throat> um, one of my favorite verses in the Bible um, is 1 Timothy 4.15. And it says to take pains with these things, to be absorbed in them so that your progress will be evident to all. And then it goes on to say, pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching, preserve these things. For as you do this, you will ensure salvation both for you and for those who hear. Um, that's just in a in a advice section that Paul gives to Timothy. But what I what I really like about that and why I think this is good is we really want to try to think on this podcast. We want to push ourselves to think. That's actually how our original group started, it's just we were pushing each other. And I will say that there has been some pain in this podcast <laughs> it's <laughs> it's been effort and it's been effort of the mind hmm. but i think that kind of mental effort is good i don't think we're like the deepest thing in the world i'm not saying that but to think deeply and to think consistently and to take the effort to think that painfully hmm. ends up being a good thing and i don't know that everyone sees the progress yet but i have benefited from from pushing and thinking and reading. Mm -hmm. I think I've read more books since we started this podcast than I had before. And I remember wanting to be a reader and really wanting to push myself and always trying, well, start a podcast about reading. <laughs> That'll do it. So anyway, I would say that's the one that makes me think of our podcast. It's first Timothy four fifteen to take pains with these things, to be absorbed in them. In Ecclesiastes four, I don't know if Charlie was going to go here, but this is like my one of my classic Tim, texts. It was like rushing to get there first. I have another one. Did you have Ecclesiastes four? Because I have another one. No. So I thought, Tim, if you were going to go to Ecclesiastes, you would go to the end, the making of many books. There is no end at the end of Ecclesiastes. I thought there might be a chance that you'd go there, but I don't know where you're going to go in chapter four. But I'll put my guess on uh, the 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 strand of friends. That's where I'm going to put my money. The Taylor Swift verse. Taylor Swift. <laughs> Who's Taylor Swift? A witch, I think. All right. Ecclesiastes 4, 7. <laughs> then I returned and I saw vanity under the sun. There is one alone without companion. He has neither son nor brother. Yet there is no end to all his labors, nor is his eye satisfied with riches. But he never asks, for whom did I toil and deprive myself of good? This also is vanity and a grave misfortune. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. There is strength in numbers. And that's one of the, our our what the focal points of our podcast is you need christian community so be friends have friends we had a whole podcast uh going through the four loves uh the main the the best chapter of uh the four loves was uh was uh the friendship chapter of uh, lewis they encapsulated this as inklings and we're trying to to perpetuate that idea and it's a biblical idea so when you thought of, when you mentioned a verse, boom, my mind went immediately to Ecclesiastes four and Christian community is, um, the way of wisdom. The, the verse that I have here is in Philippians 
chapter four. And uh, I think it was last week's episode, or maybe it's a couple weeks back now, where uh, I had asked Tim, you know, is it a waste of my time to read, you know, like all of Tolkien's collected uh, works of Middle Earth, you know, or just all this random fiction that really maybe isn't going to go anywhere, you know, like, is it is it worth my time? And I think that question could also be asked of podcasts. Like, is it worth your time mm. to yeah. listen, you know, to maybe even not our podcast, but like any podcast, like, is it worth your time? And some people like to make this like argument of degree where, well, is that the best use of your time? And I, I sometimes think that's pretty silly because nobody lives life practically that way. Nobody in every moment says, what's the best use of my time? And then does that thing. In fact, there'd be very few people that optimize their lives that way, spiritually, physically, whatever. And so in defense of listening to podcasts, especially podcasts like this one, uh, Philippians 4, 8, finally, brothers, whatever mm. is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Uh, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. And so uh, my mind went to that verse right away because I think that's what we're doing where we're trying to spend intentional time thinking on true, honorable, just, pure, uh, lovely, commendable. You know, I think a, a word that we could insert there is good, good things. We're trying to think and meditate on good things. And, uh, you know, it's kind of silly that we rate books on this goodness scale, but we're trying to decide, like, how good is this book? How worthy of my time is this book? You know, so if we give something like a, a one or we throw it on the shack stack, like we're, we're trying to help each other, help the listener. Like, it's not worth your time. There's, there's good things you could, you could pursue, better things you could pursue, you know, as far as books go. And so that, that made me think of our podcast, that verse of, I, th I feel like that's what we're trying to do together is to reflect and meditate on what is true, what is good to help us pursue uh, Christ's righteousness in the best way we can. And so there's the verse that I have there. And uh, I'll, since I'm already talking, I'll go ahead and, and put in the, uh, what have I learned from 150 podcast episodes? Uh, probably not a lot. <laughs> um, but uh, I think we've kind of already reflected on it. I do think it's it's not a I think or maybe it's not a subjective idea here. I know that I would not have read things that I have read mm -hmm. and thought about things I have thought about if I didn't have the regular practice of talking about it with my friends. Mm -hmm. Like that 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 has one hundred percent stimulated and progressed me in avenues of thought, avenues of devotion. And uh, I've, I've read Tim, or no, it wasn't Tim, Andy, you made the comment, you know that you've read more after the podcast than you did before the podcast. And 100%, that's true. And so I, I've learned I uh, the value of having a, uh, I mean, it's not necessarily weekly commitment, it kind of is for us, but having a consistent commitment to the life of the mind with other people. I think that I've learned and seen the value of that. 
lived out. And I've also learned about myself that uh, sometimes the first thought you have is not your best thought. And kind of going back to the idea of meditating where thinking upon things over and over helps you progress as well. And so not to grow weary in the heavy lifting of thinking, it'd be really nice if your first whim was always correct, (laughs) but that's not always true. Uh, Sometimes it does take a decent bit of time, decent bit of effort to come to what's correct and what's really true. And so learned that uh, needing to take that extra step of, of really deeply thinking is, is valuable as well. So those are some of my thoughts there. I would say, just to tag on that and I'll tell, share mine, I think that's why sometimes first impressions are not trustworthy at all and you should not go with them is because you've just met the person and you don't really know them that well. And uh, so if you're like the kind of person that sizes someone up like, oh, first impression or whatever, I think I've had a lot of wrong impressions about ideas, people, books, and yeah, thinking longer helps. Uh, the old Dr. Myron quote from his door, a moment of thought would have shown him he was wrong, but a moment is a long time. I thought is a difficult thing. Mm. I love that quote. Wow. So what have I what have I learned? Um for me, I we we started at some point doing topical series. We would prepare a series and kind of tag on that for a while in the podcast. And I think I'll always remember the contentment series because I read mm. a bunch of books one summer on it and then prepped it and it was really helpful in my own soul. Then ended up speaking on it a couple of places. And the hour, see, it wasn't a work requirement. It wasn't even for church. This is just a personal study. The benefit of reading just two or three books on one topic that relates to Christian living was really helpful. And I've forgotten a lot of those and I have to go back and remind myself of them. But even like we're walking this uh, journey of cancer right now in my family. And I went back and listened to, this is not trying to be arrogant here, but I listened to all my stuff on contentment and, uh, it was still convicting. It was really annoying. You know, here I am walking this hard path and God's still using it to convict my soul. Mm. So I think that listener, if you're, if there's a topic you want to study um, or something you need to grow in, read a couple of books and talk about it with your friends about it. And that actually continues to pay off and off and off and off. So I, I think the prep preparing or the reading on one topic and going not, it's, it's not sounding like it's deep. Okay. But knowing at least reading three or four books on one topic, just for fun that or something for personal growth. I think that's been very helpful. That'd be like maybe one of my big takeaways. Um, another one would be that it's a lot of work to produce a podcast and do it well. <laughs> I think that last one was my, when you, when you threw the question out, what have you learned through 150 episodes? The first thing that comes to mind is it's a lot of work. <laughs> so <laughs> I knew that's not really what you're after. <laughs> Well, yeah, and, but it fits it fits you, Tim, when you say stuff like that. <laughs> well, and in case in point, I don't I don't know if we've ever actually maybe we've joked about it, but there's like these lost episodes where we the first things that we ever recorded, we recorded them oh. uh and then realized that they were just bad. Like the first six the, the, episodes all yeah. got fully re-recorded. Listen, I was yep. not happy. Yeah, Tim, Tim hated it. And uh <laughs> He was so, so mad. So were so were other people too. And uh um, but just we we've learned a lot on the technical side of things. Uh and then, you know, we we always have these grand dreams of efficiency. And uh we we 
I think that is maybe one of the best hidden gems about this podcast. And and mm-hmm. it's that something that our listeners are never going to get to partake of. But every every hour that's recorded, we've sat and talked an extra hour before and mm-hmm. after we've even recorded it for you. And and that's it's it's the blessing of that friendship and that time yeah. together yep. that mm-hmm. there, there's so much more off of the microphone than what's on it. And I think that's a, a unique a unique blessing, but obviously that made it more work because we were less efficient with our time. But anyway, sorry, Tim, to take your uh, thing there. No, that was, I mean, that was excellent. That's really helpful. I'm glad you shared that. Um, my uh, more substantive, what have you learned through 150 episodes is very similar to what you guys have said. Uh, having to produce this has forced me to read uh, other books. It's forced me to study some text. It's forced me to prepare uh, different material in different ways. And, um, and so, uh, that's fed my soul. It's been helpful for me. Um, I think some of the most difficult episodes are when we have some guest on, that's going to talk about some book, um, because then I have to actually read their book or at least (laughs) portions of it. And that's an added thing. Oh, Tim. Oh, Tim. (laughs) That warmed my heart. Right there, just warmed it. I'm, my coffee cup's empty, but my heart is warm. And, and so, anyway, uh, what have you learned through 150 episodes, listening to you guys, and what God's even been teaching you? What you've read, which is often not something I would have ever read. I mean, the death of Ivan Illich or whatever the world that book was. Oh yeah. I, I mean, I don't know if I ever would have touched that book. Uh, and then, you know, Charlie, the book of three, I mean, all of the jokes that we had about the book of three, but I'll probably read that one at some point. And it was recommended by you. And I've learned it's actually a pretty good book and we'll get into it at some point. But um, so I've learned a lot and I really appreciated this journey and uh, excited for episode 151 and whatever, wherever else the Lord leads us on this journey. The, yeah. Can I say one more thing I've learned? Mm-hmm. And then I think just tying it all together here. So I understand the fear of the Lord better, even after teaching the Proverbs class that I taught two or three times before this podcast, because of your fear of the Lord series, Tim. Mm-hmm. And then Charlie, your discipleship series, like mm-hmm. what's God doing inside of me? Like I knew that stuff I did, mm-hmm. but like you pulling it together and having us talk about it was very helpful. So I would say mm-hmm. again, listener, like, uh, other people walking with the Lord and you talking to them what they're about what they're learning, I, I think God uses that and that He definitely used that in my life through this podcast. So just want to add that because I was thinking that right there. I'm like, you know, I've learned from both of you in the devotionals side of things and stuff that I wouldn't probably have caught on, but it has been very helpful. So listeners, get a group started. Amen. Yeah. And uh, you know, to to give you some credit to you, Andy, I think apologetics and worldview is not an area of expertise for me. And I've definitely benefited from your uh, study in that area and your discussions of, of, of a lot of material on our podcast. So that's been really helpful. And then, uh, I mean, I feel like I've heard enough about Song of Solomon that I can teach what Tim teaches. And uh, which is funny because I have, when people have asked me about certain things, I've, I've recommended like, hey, you should go buy this book from Tim and, but here's what's in it. <laughs> and uh, so I, I, I've benefited from both of your guys' expertise as well. So thank you for that. Mm. 
And right on cue with that, we do have some Thinklings business to tend to. Books and business. There it is. For the 150th, well, maybe not exactly 150, but we'll round up. For the 150th time, let's talk Mm -hmm. about some books. All right. Well, I'll start us off and I'm going to gratuitously talk about two books, but both very brief. So I'll just give a quick update on The Silver Trumpet. So we are halfway through that book, a little over halfway through. And I will just say that it's weird, but it's good. So it's it's got this, um, at first, it's not at all what you're expecting. I don't know what I was expecting, but it was an interesting storyline. So it is interesting though. And it's very, it's, it's, I, I think he's a good writer. The way the sentences are written, <clears throat> it's very easy to read it to my kids. And it's, it's something about it's very well written. Uh, there's a couple of weird things, but yeah, the, the Rudy Toot Toot, that's just for Charlie. There's this little ascending pyramid of words in the book where it says Rudy, Rudy Toot Toot, Rudy Toot Toot Toot. And it's like him trying to make the noise of a trumpet, like spell it with words. So that was actually quite cute, Charlie. So far, I would give a thumbs up. That's what I'll say. Since I haven't finished the book, I'm going to give it a thumbs up. Um, I, th- I think I'm going to recommend it for sure when I get done. It's been very interesting. But the, another book I want to mention this summer, my favorite book that I've read. And I really think it might be one of my all-time favorite biographies that I've read. Even I might even put it ahead of Alistair McGrath's C.S. Lewis because of how helpful it was. Is R.C. Sproul, A Life by Stephen Nichols. I loved this book. I think I was not expecting to love it this much. Um, I think I was expecting there to be heavy Presbyterianism and covenant theology. And that's that's in there, of course, because he was Presbyterian and covenant. And I'll talk about this in a future time more in depth, but I loved the emphasis on the mind as a Christian. He was a life of the mind guy. I never knew this about Sproul. And so since then, I've read another book and I'm on the middle of a third book by Sproul. So I'm on this like Sproul kick. Um, Nichols does a good job of telling his story. He starts in typical, like chronological through his life, but he really hits the theme that Sproul wanted to be able to think and think biblically, um, and think well. And I didn't realize this, but Sproul was behind a lot of really significant events recently. So you guys know the Chicago statement on inerrancy in the seventies. You remember that he was like a main figurehead behind that. I didn't realize that. I'm very thankful for that. Um, you know, have you heard of ECT, Evangelicals and Catholics Together? Mm-hmm. Uh, there were there were th- two major ETCs, and then there was the Manhattan Declaration in like the 2000s. Um, he was against all those. Like he was writing against them. Um, there's just a bunch of stuff that he was a part of. So anyways, I really like that biography, and I would highly recommend it. I would give it a nine on the Thinkling's Goodness Scale. Now I want to caveat that. It's a lot of stuff that really interests me. He's a teacher. He loves to teach. He loves to help the layman understand things. So anyways, listeners, I really like that book. That's probably my favorite book I read this summer. That sounds good. And, and to get a nine, that's a high I praise. I was shocked to give it that myself, but I, I just, I like biographies, but I really enjoy this. I don't know that every listener is going to think it's a nine because he talks about things I love and things that I want. I felt like he was a kindred spirit hmm. who I'd never met before, which makes me nervous that I have an inner Presbyterian. Like I did, I got done and I did find myself putting my hands in my glass of water and just like flicking it at my kids. Uh, I I know I'm just making a joke. (laughs) (laughs) I started like donuts with sprinkles on it instead of like donuts that you fully submerge. (laughs) (laughs) The caffeine is flowing through your veins. Yikes. (laughs) Well, 
all it takes is one good book to make Andy a Presbyterian. So <laughs> now that we know that, well, my, my thought totally to that joking. is totally joking well and you know some of our favorite authors you know yeah mm-hmm. tolkien's a catholic you know yep. lewis is a very catholicized anglican yeah you know I, and and i will say i'll talk more about this but he he takes he he really thought dispensationalism was a problem and he identified that part of the reason dispensationalism was so popular was the schofield study bible so that's why he spearheaded the Geneva Bible, Geneva Study Bible, and which later became the Reformed Study Bible, because he thought that would be a way to push back against dispensationalism. Um, so he, you know that, and then there's 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 some other really cool stuff in the book. But I'll, sometime mm. this fall, I'll do a full content and I'll just talk about the book. There's a lot of fun stuff to talk about in that one. So, but if you if you like um, if you like academics and and you like biographies, that I think it'd be a good one. Yeah. So. What I've got here is a couple of many books, you know, things that I've started to read and think through. And and the reason for that, it is a new school year. And uh, this this podcast will be published the first week of college classes at Faith. And uh, one of the classes I'm teaching that is this fall is uh, Discipleship of Children. And so uh, I've one of the, the joys of education is you get to update what you're doing from year to year. And this was actually the first college class I ever taught uh, going back to, it might've, was it 2020 or 2021? I can't remember. Um, But so after going through the first time, I kind of inherited the materials and tried to stick pretty close to what the previous people had done and then add my own flavor to it. And then after going through it, you realize, okay, we can, maybe shift some things around here. And so there are two books that I'm really excited to have my students uh, read through and think through with me. The first one we have mentioned on the podcast before, friend of the podcast, Scott Annual, has a book that came out in 2021, Let the Little Children Come, Family Worship on Sunday, and then in parentheses, and the other six days too, which I really like that little quippy title there. And so uh, talking about in the education or the discipling of children, how both family worship and congregational worship are important for that, teaching them what is worship and how to worship things in that vein. So I'm excited for uh, teaching through that. And then another one is by Susan Schaefer McCauley. It's For the Children's Sake, Foundations of Education for Home and School. And uh, where McCauley kind of fits in is we've talked about like Dorothy Sayers and uh, the lost tools of learning and classical education. Macaulay would be in that vein, but obviously have differing ideas. And uh, Sayers does have a pretty modern approach to things. And uh, Macaulay's going to be sort of in the vein of classical education, but approach it very differently and, and definitely be much more, I think, honoring to God's word as a foundation. And so excited to go through both of those books uh, with my students. And uh, I've I've done a little bit more in Annual's book than Macaulay's at this point. And uh, but same as Andy, I'll look forward to we'll have probably full full treaties on both of those uh, sometime in the fall here. But uh, that's what I've been working on, getting ready for college classes. I really like "Let the Little Children Come." It's a great easy read, uh, especially for dads. And there's uh, 
uh, basically a Devo plan in the back as an appendix. So if you're a dad that struggles with like family devotions, pick it up. And e- even the little appendix is just like read through this text. Uh, it gives you like a year's worth of past biblical passages you can read through with your family for family devotions. Uh, so the books I have are, uh, I'm working through, studying through uh, masculinity. It's a major theological conversation right now. There's a ton of literature that's being released. Uh, what does it mean to be a man? I've talked about non-toxic masculinity by Charles Wagner a couple of times already on the podcast. Um, I started reading Shayla Ray Gregory's um, She Deserves Better, um, Raising Girls to Resist Toxic teachings on sex self and speaking up uh, so that title is really uh written to women but it's dealing with uh, uh toxic max masculinity issues uh from a woman's perspective but the book that i'm highlighting today is the toxic war on masculinity by nancy piercy i mentioned both uh she deserves better and this book the toxic war on masculinity at the beginning of the summer it's taken pretty much the summer for me to begin reading them, and I'm not done. Uh, Nancy Piercy's book is huge. Uh, when I opened it up, it's pretty it's pretty thick to begin with, but when I opened it up, the font is quite small, but um, I am actually really enjoying it so far. Uh, she uh, she uh, has a really nice introductory chapter, so if you're wondering what's this book really about, well, you can just read the very short introduction, and she summarizes the idea. Um, in part one, she starts with the good news, which I found, uh, surprising. Uh, there's this whole thing right now with statistics and evidences and people are doing all of these statistical analyses and blah, blah, blah. Shayla Rigogori does the same thing. Nancy Piercy has her statistics. Yeah. It's like, that's she, her evidence. I think that's what turned her. Yeah. Yeah. Like she doesn't even. So in Shayla Gregory's book, she talks about how um, people say the biblical, the Bible says, blah, blah, blah. She's basically denied the sufficiency of the scriptures, saying the Bible doesn't talk about this topic. So let's look at the evidences. And then she uses her statistics and her evidences to um, uh, advise people uh, on a path forward, which I'm like, you realize the theological problems in your method here, friend? But it's it's the same as integrationism in a biblical counsel or in a counseling field. You're looking mm-hmm. at secular data, data, and then you're saying mm-hmm. let let's come to the conclusion from that, and you're cutting yourself off from how Scripture answers those questions. Sorry. And with no, I appreciate that. That's really helpful. Um, and with Nancy Piercy, what she's doing is actually presenting different data. So you have a conflict in the data. What? So let's, <clears throat> is that amazing? Maybe we should just go to the Bible and see what the Bible if we were has just to say about these We could handle data stuff. And there's yeah. numbers in the Bible too. <laughs> we should study the book of numbers. You're horrendous. <laughs> Is that what you were doing? A, a no, Tim, you, you made that pun all on your own. <laughs> all right. Part one starts with the good news. I'm reading the page 14 of the book, which is like page two of actual text. Uh, Many people assume that most theologically conservative men are patriarchal and domineering, but sociological studies have refuted that negative stereotype, Mm. which surprised me because I've heard that stereotype repeatedly as well. Compared to secular men, devout Christian men 
are devout Christian family men who attend church regularly are more loving husbands and more engaged fathers. They have the lowest rates of divorce and, astonishingly, they have the lowest rate of domestic violence of any major group in America. Have you heard that anywhere? No, I've heard just the opposite. In fact, usually the patriarchy is tied to Christianity to make it the whipping boy so that you can become egalitarian and feminist. Precisely. Right. This re- I'm reading her book again. This research is largely unknown, and even Christians are surprised to learn about it. I was. Continuing to read, the evidence shows that Christianity has the power to overcome toxic behavior in men and reconcile the sexes. Exactly, it does. An unexpected finding that has stood up to rigorous empirical testing. We should be bold about bringing it into the public square. So is what uh, Nancy Piercy has done is she's made a distinction between two groups of quote unquote Christian men in her statistics and evidences. Again, I, I love statistics when they support what I'm already trying to say. <laughs> I know that's, that's horrendous. Okay. That's great. But I, I'm, I'm not a big statistics fan, but anyway, whatever. What she's done is she's made a distinction between two categories of quote unquote Christian men. So I'm going to skip down a few paragraphs. What happens when Christian men absorb the secular script for masculinity? Part three looks at what sociology has uncovered about men who identify as Christian, but whose views of manhood are derived from the surrounding secular culture. Okay, do you see? She's got the Mm -hmm. Christian family faithful man as one category. Then she's she's, uh, created a second category of men who say they are Christian, but they really they really aren't. I mean, she doesn't use that term. She Here's what she says. Most of these men are nominal Christians, which means they are not particularly devout and attend church rarely, if at all. They are prone to pick up terms like headship and submission, but inter- interpret them through a secular lens of power and control. Surprisingly, research has found that nominal Christian men have the highest rates of divorce and domestic violence, even higher than secular men. Okay, so do you see what these statistics and evidences that everybody is is touting? Um, they combine these two groups, and because both identify as "quote unquote" Christian, it it uh, it creates this category that Christian men are. Um, promoters of domestic violence and um uh what was the other term that she used anyway just uh the unbiblical idea of masculinity highest rates of divorce and domestic violence that's what she said so she's in her statistical analysis created some kind of way to distinguish between these two groups of men i have no idea i haven't looked at the research i'm just like well that's interesting i I find that fascinating. Then in the first chapter, uh, I'm not going to give you like, I'm just hitting on a couple of points here uh, at the beginning of her book. She makes a distinction between the good man and the real man. And I had never heard this before, so I found it fascinating. That's one of the things I like about a good book when it's actually, even if I disagree with it, if if it's like telling me something that I hadn't heard before, um, and she calls it the software or the virus. And she she states, being a good man, uh, what does that mean? What does it mean to be a good man? And uh, Michael Kimmel, a sociologist, highlights the contrast between a good man and a real man. If someone delivers a eulogy, I'm reading her book on page 19. 
If someone delivers a eulogy and says he was a good man, what does that mean? The cadets had no trouble answering honor, duty, integrity, sacrifice, do the right thing, stand up for the little guy, be a provider, be a protector, be responsible, be generous, and give to others. That's the good man. Where did you learn that? Kimmel asked. The cadets answered, it's everywhere. It's our culture. It's the Judeo-Christian heritage. It's the air we breathe. Men seem to be innately aware of the software that God has coded into the male character. Kimmel then asked a follow-up question. What does it mean if I tell you, man the F up, be a real man? Mm -hmm. And I was like, hmm, okay. The cadets shouted, oh no, that's completely different. Which was interesting to me. Yeah, because that when I say, uh, <clears throat> I mean, I'm not going to use the swear word, but sure, you know, man up. I'm saying, I'm not, I'll, I, don't, I don't know if I use that specific terminology with my kids, but the idea when I think of that terminology is be strong, push through the pain. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like there's some kind of a, I don't use the word man up at all, but, but the idea is, you know, be strong and courageous, you know, don't be afraid that kind of a message, but that's not the idea in the secular world. The cadets shouted, Oh no, that's completely different to be a real man means to be tough, strong, never show weak weakness. And I was like, Okay, but they continue. Win at all costs, suck it up, play through pain, be competitive, get rich, get laid. And so I was yeah. like, huh, okay. So that was kind of helpful for me, this distinction between these two groups, this, these two ideas of masculinity that the, the secular cadets uh, have identified, mm. the good man and what they call the real man. I wouldn't have made a distinction between those two things. I would have put the good man and the real man together, uh, but there's evidently this, uh, this, this distinction. She does know it's not that every trait listed as the real man is necessarily bad. In a crisis, for example, we need men and women who can stand tough and not collapse in tears. And so she goes on and talks about how there are characteristics of the real man that are part of the good man um but within our secular culture the the real man is basically a perversion a virus is the term she uses of god's design so uh, that kind of helped me uh, it was something that i learned and she's basically making a distinction between the software the software and the virus she makes some other statements this is i've i've really found the the book uh uh, helpful as far as like even the secular conversation concerning everything when it comes to masculinity. Um, it's pretty bad out there. Uh, it's kind of, it's hard to be a man. That's uh, kind of what she's kind of communicated on a secular campus and in uh, various different settings. She's quoted a lot of different people. And then, um, yeah, well, I guess I might just stop there for right now. I'm going to come back to this book. This is kind of part of a bigger study. Uh, and then with my kids, I uh, introduced them to a, an American classic. We do this every once in a while called Duck Dynasty. Oh, <laughs> are you kidding? I'm not kidding. And so <laughs> we watched a few episodes of Duck Dynasty and I, I found it interesting watching that show in light of Piercy's oh. distinction between the good man and the real man. Because what Duck Dynasty often portrays is not the good man, but the real man 
Huh. Okay. No, wow. I mean they're not. They're You're not. Right. They're they're not, they've kind of Christianized it or whatever. Okay, but but it was very much similar to the secular virus, as opposed to huh. you know. So I mean, Phil Robertson, he jokes around about cooking's a woman's job and blah 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 blah. You know, you know, I like baking. I like cooking, serving, fun. helping the family. Yeah. What's the name That's of that right. book again, Tim? Will you repeat the title? Uh, the Toxic War on Masculinity by okay. Nancy Piercy. That she sounds has inter- very interesting. Yeah, she has. A, uh, she shares her testimony in the beginning a little bit, um, how she was raised in basically a nominal Christian home with a father who was abusive, uh, how she abandoned the faith. And then she went to Liberty um, with Francis Schaeffer. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's when, because she had basically adopted the entire feminist line uh, and abandoned Christianity completely. Uh, then she learned, oh, that's not real Christianity at Labrie. And uh, she reconverted. I think that's the word that she used. Reconverted back to Christianity. And um, and she's written several books, uh, which I have liked several of her books. Saving Leonardo, Total Truth are two of the bigger titles that I've enjoyed. I haven't actually read Total Truth, but that's like, I think, one of her main titles. And then this one, Toxic War on Masculinity, I really want to work through it. I am a little disappointed because there's. I was hoping for more exegesis and more Bible. That's not where she's going with it. Mm. It's it's uh, statistics. It's, okay. Yeah, it's like sociology. It's it's a bunch of that kind of stuff. Um, it's got end notes, which are a pain in the rear, especially since this notes. is this is really an academic title. So it's really annoying, but whatever it's the worst yep the worst yes that's what i've got for now we all agree that end notes are the worst and uh not on that note but on the ending note why don't we have a final thought from god's word or a meditation from god's word i can't remember exactly how i'm supposed to say that but i think we're using term meditation these days but yes i like either way a final meditation Uh, (laughs) on god's word so listener um so I've been, you know, reading the Bible here and there and uh, digging in. And I was encouraged by what I'm about to share. And I think it's very appropriate. Now, not all of our listeners are college students. We have a lot of others. Um, so there's going to be some applications to the fact that <clears throat> this is the beginning of a new school year on many college campuses and high schools and whatnot. My kids just started their CC last week. Um, but I believe this will apply to anything that you might be going through. And you'll see as we walk through the passage. So we're going to be in Psalm 127. This is one of the Psalms of Ascent. And uh, it's written by Solomon. And so I'll just go ahead and read it. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain that you rise up early and go late to rest eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. I primarily want to talk about the first two verses. But I wanted to read all of them because it's only five verses, so it's, it's not a lot to get the whole context. 
But here, Solomon's talking about uh, the, the things that you're anxious about and how at the end of the day, uh, you need a toil, but at the end of the day, it's in the Lord's hands. So he starts off by saying, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. And then unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. So you got to think about both of those jobs are hard. Okay. It's not easy to build, to be a builder, to be in construction is to do manual labor. And that takes a lot of effort. And I've not done a lot of that. Uh, my, my trade is more the intellectual thing, but I've done projects at home and it's the worst when you put a ton of effort into something and then you realize you measured something wrong. And now you've got to like take a bunch of it apart. The, the, actually, the thing I think of is Legos. My son was halfway through building a A-wing uh, starship and this one was not lining up these two Lego pieces. And we realized that he had missed putting the bricks together by one row about 25 steps before. So you had to tear the whole Lego thing apart and start over. I mean, that's like a kid thing. Uh, but in, in your life, there's probably things that you have worked very hard at and you're very nervous. You're anxious. Like, what if I do the wrong thing and I have to redo this? Uh, what if I put all this effort into this thing in my life and it doesn't pay off? And then the second thing he mentions is a guard or a watchman. Part of the difficulty of guard duty is staying awake if you have guard duty during the night. It's just hard. We want to sleep then. And so it's much easier to fall asleep. Uh, if you've read The Hobbit, uh, Bomber, the fact that he wants to fall asleep is why Bilbo is able to go off and save the day. Um, and that can be hard. Now, what he says next in verse two is it's vain that you rise up early and go to late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. And then there's a pause, like a colon right there. I don't think that means that toil is wrong. In fact, another verse that I'll talk about this season uh, says that like it's good to toil. Like, it's really good to work to the point of exhaustion. That's that's a biblical thing. That's not unbiblical. Um, it's good to rest. Like when you don't sleep and you work, 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 and you never sleep, you're you're essentially saying, I'm omnipotent. I don't need rest. Uh, but only God is omnipotent. He's designed us to need rest. So Solomon's not saying that those things are bad. But what he is saying is that you can stay up late and you can work yourself to the bone. But unless God is doing the thing that you're doing, you're laboring in vain. It's a waste and vain. Think of the word vain for Solomon. That's like one of his key words in the book of Ecclesiastes. Then it says, for he gives to his beloved sleep. So listener, I just want you to think today, guys, this is open to you if you want to add anything. What are some things that we are anxious about in life? What are some things that you're anxious about? So I had a couple of thoughts written down that I can't find at the moment. So I'll just go from memory. Um, but think about it if you're a salesman, okay? And you've got sales quotas to meet. And so this quarter, you're behind on your sales. And so, man, you are working hard. You are killing yourself. You're, you're knocking on doors. You could restate that verse. Unless the Lord builds the quarterly sales, the salesman knocks on the door or calls the customer in vain. Mm. That doesn't mean you don't work hard, but you have to trust the Lord mm -hmm. ultimately. Uh, let's switch it up for a college student. Uh, you're going to have all, if you're, you're just starting school in any form, you're going to have all kinds of assignments. Maybe you're concerned about friend groups. Maybe you're concerned about how you're going to pay. Well, let's switch it around. Unless the Lord pays for the semester, 
the college student labors in vain. Hmm. It's not that you shouldn't work. We know all through the Bible you should work. But at the end of the day, trusting the Lord is the most important thing because only he can make this happen. Mm -hmm. um, we are in our, can in our family, we are battling cancer right now. And uh, so we're very anxious. Can our, can our chemo, can our cancer doctor find the right treatment uh, to treat the cancer? Uh, so think about it like this. Uh, unless the Lord treats the cancer, the oncologist labors in vain. And we have to ultimately trust in the Lord. So listener, I would just say, what are the things that you are anxious about this week? Hmm. What are the things you've been anxious about leading up to this week? And don't give up. Don't let go and let God. That's bad ideas. That's bad theology. Okay. You need to work. But ultimately, it, it really doesn't depend on you. It depends on the omniscient and omnipotent God of the universe who loves you, wants the best for you, and allows trials to help you grow and to glorify himself. So listener, just take a couple of minutes and ask yourself what you're anxious about and ask if you're trusting the Lord. And hey, it's wonderful to be back for season seven, and we'll see you guys next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Thinklings Podcast. We would love to hear from you. If you have any feedback, suggestions, or potential topics that you'd like us to discuss, you can contact us through our email, thinklingspodcast at gmail.com. Remember, don't let this conversation end with this podcast. Read good books, talk about them with your friends, and always continue to cultivate your mind. See you next time on the Thinklings Podcast. The Thinklings want to remind our listeners that the Thinklings podcast is our personal production. Our conversations, book discussions, and viewpoints may not represent the views of Faith Baptist Bible College and Theological Seminary. Any questions or feedback should be directed to us at the Thinklings podcast.